welcome to the podcast. I am Joel here with my dad. And I'm Rick, and we are glad you're here today. Yeah, dad, I want to talk about today the idea of getting a bigger perspective. Um, and I think one of the greatest things that happened for us was when you forced us, we talked about in another episode, <laughs> you forcing us to move to Guatemala. And we didn't like it at the time. It was uncomfortable. We had to learn a new language. Um, we had to learn a new culture. We had to see things we that made us very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Saw a lot of really tragic, sad things that made us very uncomfortable. A lot of injustice. Yeah, injustice. Uh, but what, what I think it did is it gave us... Um, a bigger perspective on the world. And I'm just, I'm convinced that your world is either getting bigger or it's getting smaller. Like there's no middle ground uh, because I think our tendencies, we always want to find a stasis, like a place where we like, okay, this is where we're going to stay here. And we know what's around us. We know what's familiar, but really I don't think it ever actually stays the same. And I think it actually causes the things to shrink around you. So you're either getting your bit, your world's either getting bigger or it's getting smaller. And at some point you, you, if you stop allowing your world to get bigger, uh, um, bringing in new information, getting to know different cultures or ways of thinking, then actually what you're doing is you're actually, your world's actually getting smaller. So I think the bigger perspective thing is, is really kind of an imperative of Christians. And we got an unfair advantage in that in some ways because you were always pushing us for that. You were always pushing us to see, I mean, even as a kid, um, I remember one time I wouldn't eat my broccoli or something. And I had been saving up for months for this video game. This was before we moved to Guatemala. I'd been saving up for months for this video game. And um, I mean, like months. And it was also, I remember the money was stored in the top drawer of your dresser. I think it was like 50 bucks. And it's like nothing now. But I spend that on groceries like every time I go in the store now. But um yeah. But I remember you said, you know, there are starving kids in Guatemala. That's the classic line you shouldn't I use. Don't kids know right? that yeah, I you did said this. something. Uh, I, you said something like, there are, there are a lot of kids that would love to have that food that you have. And I remember feeling so guilty. And it made me very uncomfortable. You didn't make me feel good about myself. But <laughs> but I remember saying, Dad, I want you to take that money and give it to those poor kids. And you took it. I did, of course. Yeah, you took the money and I didn't I get the- I don't know if I ever gave it to the poor kids or not, but I took it. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, but that was, I mean, you always pushed us to realize that there's something beyond us. And I think that is a huge call, but it's not the natural thing. The natural thing is to protect what's immediately around you, hold on to it, instead of trying to expand what you know, the limits of where you're at, the, your growth. Because Well, because it's scary to get a bigger perspective because you don't know what's out there. And so that's, I think what you were saying earlier about the fact that if you, if you set your parameters, and this is as far as we go, you feel safe. Right. But this is the way the world works, period. Right. But, but it is like a room. You get into a... If you put yourself in a room, it may seem big at the time, but if you spend a week in there, a month in there, it's like your house. Ah, I'm going crazy right. in my house. I'm locked out of my house. It, it, at one time, it was plenty adequate, but now I'm going crazy because it just feels like the walls are closing in on you. Which I guess is my thing of the your world is either getting larger or it's going to feel like it's shrinking upon you. Right, because it's just your your mind too begins to just kind of muddle up and numb if you're not stretching it. It's like every muscle, you know, if you're not experiencing new things and challenging it and stretching it in some way, then it's just going to, it's going to begin to just dry up. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that that happens spiritually. I think it happens in our perspective on the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see a lot of people that, yeah, they've been walking with the Lord for 40 years, but you haven't really, and they're faithful at church. They, yeah. They're there every Sunday, but you're like, man, you're just not much different today than when you were 40 years ago spiritually. And, and you may be loaded do. down with more Bible, but... Yeah, and, and some of it, 
you might, uh, yeah, you might have more facts and figures that you've accumulated, but are you more like Jesus? And, and I think a, a part of that was spiritually too, is we tend to feel like we've attained, we are there. I understand it now. Oh man, I understand salvation. I can give you the four spiritual yeah. laws. And I explain, and then, you, but, but you start asking these questions that are like, wait a minute, that's a hard question. Um, I don't really know the answer to that. And so therefore, I'm not going to go there. Right. You either ignore the question or you like write off the people that are asking those other questions yeah. or well, anything that's, yeah, anything liberals. that's un, un, unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think about that. Like I was, I've been reading this guy lately um, and well, I'll say his name. He's fascinating. Douglas Wilson. And yeah. man, his take on the world, I've never heard, uh, I've heard kind of versions of it, but he's got a different take on the end of the world. He's got a different take on our current place in the world. And I'm reading him and I'm, it's, I'm like, I don't know whether to write this guy off as insane, but man, it's forcing me to ask some questions of myself that I'd rather not ask. And you can't tie a nice little bow on them. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of what got Rob Bell in trouble, asking yeah. a lot of questions and leaving no bow tied on it. Um, yeah. Well, and there's, there's, that, and that's kind of something I deal with sometimes too. You know, when I teach a class, I often think, I want to throw something out here that's going to challenge people to think beyond their the pat answers. Right. But you, you have to be careful doing that too because some people are still struggling with the pat answers. Right. And I think that's what got Rob Bell in trouble was throwing, just throwing questions out in a broad... If you're sitting with people who've got a good, solid, grounded faith, then ask those questions. Right. But if you're talking to people that are still sort of trying to figure out you know, does Jesus love me? And, you know, is he going to be with me all the time? And then you start asking these questions and they're not founded in the word. Man, then you're just really putting people on thin ice. Right. And you're just really screwing with their mind unnecessarily. Well, and, and I mean, that, that comes back to the idea of truth is always revealed in layers. I mean, that's, I think, what Jesus was saying when he, when he, you know, at the end of John, I think it was, he was talking to the, to the boys and he said, there's a lot more that I'd like to show you, yeah. but basically you're not ready for it yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to come and he's going to lead you in all truth. So you should be glad that he's coming because he's the one that's going to reveal to you. So basically just saying, if I were to show you the whole truth right now, you, you can't handle it. And I think that's the, that's the challenge of, of God and his grandeur, his bigness is um, we're always getting a new perspective on him. Yeah. And as soon as you think you've got him nailed down, or as we call him, God in the box, um, you, you something comes in that forces you to get a new perspective, and you can either resist that and say, "Oh, that must be from the devil," yeah, <laughs> right? or, yeah, or those liberal people and their crazy yeah. liberal theology. Uh, but but perspective requires recognizing that God's way bigger. There's a way bigger world out there than than you at any given point in your life even know. And that's the thing that's crazy about it is you're 60 something and you're telling me about things that you're changing your views on about God. And, uh, and I'm, I'm 40s and I'm like, wow, 25 years from now, uh, what am I gonna, how am I gonna see God differently than how I, than yeah. even now? And, yeah. and I mean, I think that's the way, it, that's what a bigger perspective is all about is recognizing that God in his fullness is something our minds will never fully comprehend. We have enough that we need to know to get in right relationship with him. But to understand him, I mean, the perspective thing is just, your perspective is going to be constantly changing as truth yeah. reveals itself to you. And we always try and put it into something we understand. You know, well, the Trinity is like an egg. Right. Oh, really? Well, not really. You know, and so we try to put it in something we understand so that we can grasp it and hold on to it. 
And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, wait a minute, it's not like that at all. Right. And that's the problem. And it worked for the season you were in. It did. Yeah. It, it, okay, got that. But I go, oh, it's bigger than that. It's, it's wow. That's, so now I'm, I'm, it's a mystery. It's, there's, you know, we're not real comfortable with mystery. Yeah. You know, the Eastern mindset, they're comfortable with mystery. Right. And we just got to get comfortable with mystery because there's always going to be some mystery about God. And here's the thing about it, you know, with the scripture, the amazing thing is when you come to one understanding, it's like you were saying in the layers, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, if that's that makes this over here make sense. Right. And then you begin to understand that and as you begin to see the impact of that particular truth, it goes, oh, well, now I understand this. That. And so the scripture, the scri- yeah. when we say it's a living word, I mean, Hebrews actually says that, the fact it doesn't change, but we change in our understanding of it because it's like it's, a, it's like a flower opening or an onion being peeled down. There's just endless, endless layers. Yeah. And you get one layer and then you go, oh, well, that, then that makes this make so much sense. And that's the thing I, th- I learned early on in my life in the walk with God. It's like, because people would ask me these questions that were profound. Can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? You know, they thought that was really smart and really profound. Um, and, and so... I discovered early on that I may not know the answer, but that doesn't mean there's not an answer. Right. Because I had people would present me these conflicts. Well, Scripture says this and this. It's a, it's a conflict in Scripture. And I didn't understand. I thought, well, I guess you're right. And then five years later, I'd run across something and I'd go, oh, well, there's the answer right there. And usually it was in Scripture itself, but I didn't yeah. know that passage. Or I, didn't, I didn't understand it from that perspective. That's, yeah, the perspective. That's the, they say the greatest revelations are usually things that were right in front of you all along. You just didn't, you look, it's like you, you took it and you turned it around and, oh, I see it from this angle now and I couldn't have seen it from that angle if I hadn't known this over here. Yeah, that, and that's one of the things, so like on my trips, uh, Mark Batterson, I love his formula. He said one time when I was sharing the idea with him the first time, he said, oh, that's change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. And so many times we see that with our trips is people walk off the trip going, oh, I know what I need to do right now and now, and it was all in front of me all along. But because you're in that world that's just been shrinking, uh, it's the same thing over and over again, the, mon- the, you know, the, the monotony and, and not pushing yourself out of it, the comfort level, then your world is actually shrinking on you and you can't see what's right in front of you already. But then all of a sudden you step out, change of pace, change up the speed of things, change of place, get a new place, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, then it was it was there all in front of you the yeah. whole time, but it required getting a new take on what God was revealing to you. Sometimes it's somebody you met on the trail. Who yeah. Said, well, have you ever thought about this? Go. I never even considered that as a possibility, but it just fits me perfectly. And and but that's I never even saw it. That's where exposure to new ideas, new mindset is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would go back in an interesting thing because one of the things you talk about is sometimes there aren't people aren't ready to get a bigger perspective on things. Um, yeah. How do you know when you're ready to get a bigger perspective on things, do you think? Well, I think you're, we need to always be trying. It's, it's when I'm trying to dump on somebody else something that they're not ready for. That's where I have a responsibility to be careful what I'm taking somebody into. It's like, right, right. It's, like it's, a, it's a five-year-old and I'm trying to explain to him how to drive a car and putting him behind a car, giving him a gun or something, say, here, shoot this gun. You know, all you do is pull the trigger. Well, he's not quite ready for that, you know. There's, right, without supervision. <laughs> yeah, there's some responsibilities involved as far as, ourselves, I think we need to always be trying to stretch our limits ourselves. And by that, I mean, listen to people you don't agree with. Yeah. You know, I, I, because, because every man's way is right in his own eyes. So that guy who, who 
you know, we could talk politically now. You know, that guy who's like at the other end of the political extreme from you, in some way, as crazy as you may think he is, as nutcase as you may think he is, in some way, his perspective makes total sense to him. Right. And, and he, he thinks actually, you're crazy. And he actually may have a corner on something that needs to that be. That you don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As you know, when we first came back from Guatemala, we went to a church for four years that we just were, I mean, totally, not totally different, majorly different in some major points of doctrine. Should we name it? Um, you know, that, that it was, it was a, a six or eight point Calvinist church. I mean, it was like as many points as Calvinist as you can be. It was, they were hyper Calvinist. Well, I don't know what hyper is. I, they didn't think they were hyper and uh, other Calvinists have told me they're hyper. And I don't know. I think hypers, anybody that's more hyper than me, you know, I think I, <laughs> they I'm were the pretty, they one. were pretty in deep with the Calvinist theology. Yeah, very, very, but, I mean, but very logical, very, oh, very man, yeah. biblical in those four years though I didn't become a Calvinist, I became, I grew more in my understanding of God and the nature of God. And the, it was the best thing that happened to me, but it was in a church. And I, I would sit down and ask the pastor, well, coming from that perspective, how do you interpret this scripture? Yeah. And he would, he would sit down and explain it to me. And I'd go, well, you know, I can see that that's a legit, I don't think that's, I can't go there with that interpretation, but I can see how that's legitimate, I yeah. suppose. And then it would lead me to another question because, again, it's that layers of truth. So I'd go home and I'd go, well, that kind of makes sense. And then I'd go, but wait a minute. If that is true, then what about this? And I'd go back and talk to him again. He'd go, well, brother, here's the explanation of that, you know. So I got to a point where I could really go either way. I mean, I eventually had to settle on what I believed Scripture said. You found the perfect balance? Yes, I, I am balanced <laughs> in all ways. <laughs> I found the perfectly balanced theology. Yes, and it's mine. If you, yes. You know, all the... Theology, theological problems of the world could be solved if people just listen to me. The funny thing about that, with talking in terms of perspective, though, is when we first got there, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't really know what it meant. I just thought it was once saved, always saved. You yeah, know? I mean, That's I was. All I thought it was. Yeah, okay. I remember. So when I was seventeen, somebody taught that once saved, always thing, saved thing, and I, I fought that. But then we went a layer deeper, and we started going to this church, and they're like, "Hey, not only that, yeah, but uh, it's it's a lot more complicated than that." And you're like, "What?" But I didn't even know it was a thing. But man. It blew my mind. I remember going to the Bible studies taught by Keith Lamb, the most yeah. brilliant Bible teacher I've ever read. I mean, Greatest blew I've ever heard. my mind and just caused me to see the Bible in, a, in a richer way than I could have ever seen. Um, even though I wasn't ready to swallow their theology, um, eventually I leaned more that way. But um, I mean, and some probably would say I am a Calvinist now, but I'm actually perfectly balanced as well. So, yes, we're both. <laughs> um, so you can't call me on anything. Keep listening to this podcast and you too can be, be perfect. perfectly balanced. Yes. Uh, but that's, that's, I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I think that's a huge thing with perspective is a lot of times you just didn't even didn't know, know it was a thing. Or you thought you knew what it was. Cause that's what I'd heard. I'll talk mm -hmm. to people and they go, oh, that Calvinist, you know, they think this and that. I go, well, no, not really. Right. You haven't heard it directly from the, yeah. And I mean, how much of the, the fighting do we have in our world today is based on that way? You know what those people over there believe? They believe that only certain people's lives matter. Well, that's not really. That's it. not, it's, it's, you know, the words are kind of limited there. Right. And so yeah. you like, you put words in mouth for somebody else. And if you never go investigate it yourself, you never figure out. But again, that's scary. You might have to change your position. Yes. Yeah. Which that's the scary part of getting a different perspective on things yeah. is 
it's it's going to rock your world a little bit yeah. because the world is way bigger than you think. But that's again, your world is always either expanding or it's shrinking. Yeah. But and, shrink- and the thing is, you you may not even after you get their perspective, like in our case, there you may not swallow it all. But you're probably going to pick up something that you didn't know before. Yeah, and at least you see, oh, they've got some pretty valid reasons for that. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, uh, right now, you know, I could I could go either way as far as you want to debate. I could debate as a Calvinist. I could debate as an Arminian because yeah. I understand both the sides. And I go, yeah. man, it's, I know where I've settled. And it took me about six years of deep research and study and things to, to come where I settled. But um but I have a great respect for, and that's the thing. I I can respect them. I can love them. I can I can say wow, and I can learn from them. And so why just limit myself to one little thing that I can learn from? You know. So there's people who disagree with me politically. Yeah. There are things I can learn from them. Right, and and that's the other thing to to realize. I think is interesting is some of these other views that we would we would disagree with. Um, the fact that they're still standing means they have some merit to them. Because stuff that has no merit to them tends to fall by the wayside. Like you just don't see a whole lot of people who you know believe in, you know, can think of what a well, flat Earth is coming back. Oh, the flat that's true. <laughs> flat Earth is making a comeback. YouTube, I think, but is in general, that. that kind of passed away. You're like, okay, well, if there's not some merit to it, most people are gonna. Yeah. Of course, when things get disrupted. Now that we have YouTube, yeah, anything can stand. You know, and it can and it can look pretty big. Even like there's a lot of people who believe in it. Yeah, and oh, but I mean, there's all sorts of. Well, I mean, I was gonna say I was gonna say aliens, but there's a lot of people believe in aliens too. So, um, and didn't they actually show recently that there were alien spacecraft they had found? Oh, I'm sure there are. They released it right in the middle of COVID nineteen, but it's a good time to like say, hey, by the way, we found aliens. But yeah. uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Roswell's still there, so they got to be some truth, right? To it, right? So, well, that's the inter- museum. I mean, well, that's an interesting thing too. So, like, there, right now, there's a lot of these conspiracy theories going around, yeah. and I posted something on Facebook, and I said, should we? entertain partial truth and oh my gosh the thing just lit up with comments they're like no you should never entertain anything short of total truth and i'm like how you gonna get that get total truth yeah yeah (laughs) that's right how you gonna stomach the total truth uh Uh, well and by the way i think that comment is partially true right (laughs) but that's the thing it's like you have to entertain partial truth even to get to a bigger perspective because you we see through the glass darkly like uh, paul says that um yeah there's just limits to what we can see right now and so as the world, as your world is expanding and you're hopefully getting a clearer perspective on who God is, um, it's going to rock some of your presuppositions and some of the stuff you were certain was true. Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, maybe that's not quite as certain as I was certain about. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's I'm, what's. I remember Howard Hendricks was a teacher at Dallas Theological years yeah. ago. And he, he told this little story one time. He was an older guy at the time. I heard him say this and he said, you know, there were things when I was a young man that, um, and I'd, I'd have gone to battle for as far as doctrine and truth, and this has to be pure. And, and then there were other things that I thought, why are they arguing about that? It didn't make any difference to me. And so then when I got older, I realized those things they were arguing about, those are crucial, those are essential. And some of the things that I used to think were like worth dying on the hill for, he said, they didn't really matter anymore. Yeah. So he said, in my whole life, the only thing I've really learned is stay flexible. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like the wineskins. Jesus said, I can't pour more in if you got it all full, if you're all hard and you've settled in and I know the truth and this is it, then I can't pour in. Now that scares people because you, we want to have this set, fixed 
box of truth that we've got it all in, and so we have all the answers. It's your arsenal, yeah. Like, oh, I know exactly where to pull from for this one, yeah. Yeah, so somebody comes at me and they have this question, boom, I know the five answers to that one, and I know the two scriptures to quote for that one, you know. And again, we're just not really comfortable with mystery. We're just not comfortable saying, you know, I really don't know. Right. Well, and and, and I think that's a challenge for pastors too is it's like uh, we feel that the the goal is to, you know, disciple people, lead people, and... um, how do you disciple and lead people when you, you aren't exactly you sure? Just don't know. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of that verse King, King David in Psalm 131. He said, my heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Um, maybe there's some things in terms of perspective that we should be seeking the truth on. But if we don't immediately get a revelation, we should just be content to know, well, there is some answer, but... There's an answer. It was Deuteronomy 30, 33. I'm not sure. Somewhere in Deuteronomy, the latter part of the, some, it's the last verse of one chapter where it says this, the revealed things belong to man, but the hidden things belong to God. Yes. And so there are things that, hey, God says, this is mine. It's none of your business. I'm not going to tell you. 29, 29, Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those double numbers there. Roll a, roll two 29s. Um, and he's it, just saying that there's some things I'm not going to tell you. Right. Just deal with it. Yeah. You don't need to know. Well, and and with the perspective thing, we may get a glimpse. That's, I think, the challenge of it too, is sometimes when we're expanding our perspective, we get a glimpse of it, enough of it to make us sound comfortable, and we either shy away or we lean more into it, but leaning more into it may lead you down a trail where you're like, yeah, I don't know where to go on this All one. heresy has an element of truth in it. Yeah. It wouldn't have lasted. And so, therefore, you get this little truth. And well, I'm, Okay, here we go. I remember some time ago, that they were talking about, we we open up the heavens over people. You know, we're going to open up the heavens over our city. And it was all based upon that little story where Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended. And so based on that was this whole movement where people were going out and praying to open the heavens over their city so that huh. the Spirit could come. You, you missed that one, did you? Uh, and Maybe... <laughs> Where were we for that one? And then, well, yeah, anyway, so my friends. Maybe that there, was when I was hanging at the Calvinist church. They don't believe probably, in that. They don't no, believe in that. <laughs> if the heavens were meant to be open, they are open. That's right. <laughs> anyway, no. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, there was this whole movement that we're going to control the city. We're, we're, we control the gates of the city and we're going to dro- drive uh-huh. back the demonic forces so that the spirit of heaven can come down and change our cities. And I go, Okay, that's a really neat philosophy based on one scripture. But let me ask you, did Paul ever do that? Did he ever mention, all right, we're going to pray against the, we're going to pray to open the heavens. Uh, it's just based on a little bitty story. I'm guessing their argument is, yes, but this is a different season in the work of God. I have no idea. I okay. think it's just a matter of we build our philosophy and then we don't look at the whole scripture to say, well, is that what anybody else did? And that's the real challenge of the whole scripture. <laughs> it's big. There's a lot it's in there. It's really big. And there's layers and layers and layers yeah. and layers and layers. And that's why the, the power of the, I mean, the word of God is living. It's actually living, right? Yeah. Like, so your perspective on it, well, you're going to, you'll look, you'll read one verse in one season and it means one thing to you. And then the next season, it's yeah. like, it's got an even deeper meaning to yeah. it. I think about that, about the Beatitudes. The more I read those, I'm like, holy cow, this is a whole other way of looking at the world. Yeah. Like as a kid, you know, know yeah. and in Sunday school, I'm reading the Beatitudes. I'm like, oh, be nice, be nice. Yeah. And like, okay, no, this is about like a whole other way of seeing everything. Yeah. And the more you read it, you're like, Jesus was proposing something very revolutionary here. Well, that's what I, you know, sometimes I've counseled people and like they're, 
their families and their lives are so messed up and they've just really messed up and they've come to the Lord and they come to me and I want to go, gosh, I really don't know. You are so messed up. I mean, that's what I want to say. I don't know what the hope is for you. But then when I look at me and compare me to biblical standards like the Beatitudes, yeah. I want to go the same thing. Rick, you are so messed up. You are so far from biblical standards. I don't even know how you could even, what, what even direction do you take the first step? Right. Because again, we, we say that, well, you know, you read this passage and people go, well, it doesn't mean you need to be a doormat, does it? Mm, you know. It's hard to work your way around it that it doesn't mean you're supposed to be a doormat. I, yeah. I kind of think it does. You know, when you turn the other cheek and, well, yeah, but after I turn the other cheek, then I can slam him, right? <laughs> mm, I don't think that's what he's, well, I'll have to do seven times 77, right? Forgive him. And do I do the math? And then I know when I can yeah. pound him. That's not what he was saying. He, it's just unbelievable. Right. But but it's not the Sunday school version we get where it, no yeah it's like it's but that's again the it's the it's revealed to you in layers and layers and as you're growing in Christ your world should be expanding so here's I mean does it mean that the I, I guess it means that the the more we expand the more we grow the more we get confident in some things and the less confident we get in other things I mean that's yeah. the nature of it right well let me throw one out for you it's like I mean let's be real about you know what well, I was talking with a guy the other night. Should we have people running around in our churches with guns to shoot the guy that comes in to try and shoot the congregants? I don't know. And so there's like one argument, well, it's a stewardship of what God's given you. Are you going to protect the flock? You protect the flock? And then, but Jesus also says, I don't know. Would Jesus have stood at the door with a pistol and take the guy out as soon as he pulls out his knife or something? I just... I don't see I Jesus don't doing know. that. Yeah, you know? He got kind of mad at Peter for something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had to he fix the mess, you know? Yeah. So it's like somehow we need to learn to live with the I don't knows. Right. Because well, when you do know it all, you probably don't even, you're not probably not even asking the right questions when you have all the right answers. Well, and I think that's where I'm just becoming more and more convinced. And I've got this new book I'm working on where I just, I'm convinced more and more that there's not a formula. There's only layers of revelation. Um, and anytime we look for a formula, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. What you need to look for is more revelation of me. Because... Um, the, as the truth is revealed to you little by little, as, as much as you can handle at the time and you're growing in it, um, you, the standard is always out there. Like you said, the more you compare and you're like, you know, uh, you know, I can't, how, how did you make your life such a mess? And God's like, dude, Joel, yeah, you have you, so the, the standard is always out there kind of like looking down at you and you're like, ah, but yeah. I think that's where the power of what he says is, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Basically, all these things will be slowly added to you, like all the things you're looking for, um, but it starts with the direction. So I mean, that's what I've, I've said over and over again. Success is a direction, not a destination. As soon as you begin seeking the kingdom of God, you are on the path that's going to lead to success because if you're seeking his kingdom, he's going to lead you down a path of revelation over and 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 over. it just keeps growing. Until that moment of glorification when we're standing before him and he's like, here you go. And man, it's hard to believe even then that we'll get it all. But you'd think it's going to take an eternity for us to understand the mind of God. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3. I don't know what that really means, you know. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it may make our head explode. It's going to be a whole lot better than what we got now. Yeah, (laughs) but... You know, and, and that thing where I said that, you know, some people are like, you're so messed up, I don't even know where to start. And that's, To me, I always think of the example of a little red ant and a big black ant walks up to him and he says, I'm bigger than you. 
And he looks up at me and says, see how much bigger I am than him? And I look down at both of them and I go, look, from my perspective, you guys look about the same right. size. You're you know? both tiny ants. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, from my perspective, yeah, they may be messed up, but you're just as messed right. up as them. So, Which, just, which comes know. down to what I think the goal of really perspective is, is we don't need our ant perspective, right? Like even if somebody's a little bit bigger of an ant than you, you don't need their perspective. What you want is the guy that's standing above you. Yeah. Um, Here's a hint, sinners in the hands of an angry God that could crush you. <laughs> no, just, but, but seriously, like the God who is standing over all of us and laughing and saying, oh, you guys, the things you cannot see. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what we need. I mean, we want access to the mind of God, which is don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Be right. transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. That's what we want. I mean, we want, want God's mind on it. And I think that's what, I guess that's ultimately what perspective yeah. is, is more and more shifting our mindset to the way God sees the world. And I mean, I think that would naturally lead to us wanting to know more about his world, the people he's created, the languages, the, I mean, just all the diversity in the world, expanding your world in those terms, right? Yeah. And can we throw one more little muddy thing in there? You know, muddy the water a little more. We all, you know, Christians are real against relative truth. Truth is not relative. Uh, you know, sometimes it kind of is. In that, I think it's the most amazing thing because um, I was thinking about this. Do you have guns? Do you not have guns? Well, we've prayed and we're supposed to have guns. And that church over there doesn't, you know, in their church or whatever, you know. I'm right, just saying, right. When Paul was talking to the Corinthians about having eating meat that had been offered to idols, he said, some people shouldn't do it. For them, it's wrong. If it's in their heart, it's wrong. It's wrong. For me, it's right. Wow. If it's nothing to you. Now, it's wrong if you abuse another person because of it, but. And so, well, wait a minute, Paul, no, it's either right or it's wrong. Well, I mean, the truth is you're free. Yeah. Period. Is it right or is it wrong? But it could be wrong for you. If in your heart you're convicted over that, then it's wrong for you. Wow, yeah, it's true. But if you're not convicted over it, then don't, but don't let your liberty be a stumbling block for so somebody it's, else. So it's, in, sense, in that sense, it's not that the truth is relative, it's that our responses to the truth are relative. Mm, How we're supposed to respond to the truth Yeah, but relative. is it right or is it wrong? Well, it depends. Well, Okay, so here, we'll just end with this big quote. Niels Bohr said, the opposite of a true statement is a false statement. The opposite of a profound truth of a profound truth is very often another profound truth. That's pretty profound. It is. I mean, the, the fact that God is so big, yeah. who he is is so big that sometimes what we think are contradictory things are actually all under the umbrella of his who he is. Yeah, we want it all black and white. Just tell me. Just tell me what's right or wrong. Yeah, and he's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to seek first kingdom of God so I can give you a bigger perspective. I want relationship. If you liked what you heard, please consider sharing this with a friend. For more information, visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Thanks for listening.